You're listening to The Real Wealth Show with Kathy Fetke, the real estate investor's resource. I get asked so many times, how do I get OPM? How do I get private money and do JVs with other people? And it's really important that you know how to do this right. I'm Kathy Fedke, and welcome back to The Real Well Show. I'm so happy to have an old friend and very good real estate attorney here with us today on The Real Well Show, Jeff Lerman. Welcome back. Old friend, old friend. Uh, young, how about just young, friend? Old, a person I've known for a long time. How about how's that better? <laughs> Doing great. Um, great seeing you, Kathy. Yeah. Oh, it's so great. You're you're a fellow Northern California person, I think. Are you still living up there? Yep. Yeah. And uh, boy, yeah, we've known each other for a very long time. And uh, you came up as the person to talk to about JVing versus syndicating and how do you do deals together? And boy, can that go wrong if you don't get it right. right. So I think right before we started, you said that you've seen it go wrong a lot. So let's talk about that. What, what have you seen people not do correctly when it comes to JVing? Yeah, well, um, so much. I mean, uh, and, and as as we were just discussing before we uh, we press play, uh, this particular topic. I love talking about this topic. This is we talk. I, I talk about a lot of different topics out there, but this one is I'm most passionate about because I believe in our firm. I I do I do litigation and I do transactions and in litigation. We have litigated a number of partner disputes, and every partner dispute started with a joint venture, and every partner dispute that we've litigated could have been avoided if the original joint venture agreement had been done better than it had been done. There were problems in the joint venture agreement, and I'm not exaggerating when I say that the, the, the legal fees for both sides on those partner disputes were over a million dollars. And that's oh. what can happen when you have a partner dispute because real estate is, you get people who have financial resources to go the distance and the, 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 the damages that they ask for can be significant because it's real estate. So uh, this is, um, it, it's really important for all of you if, you, if you're going to be doing a joint venture, to really make sure that you are focused up front on making sure that you've got the best joint venture agreement to protect you, not only from ever having to deal with a, a lawsuit, but to even have to deal with a dispute. I mean, we've, the way we do it, it uh, we've never had one of our joint venture agreements end up in, in court. And I don't think we've ever had any of our joint venture agreements end up in a dispute because none of my clients have ever called me and said, hey, we got a problem. So I think it's because of the way that we go about it. So that's, it's really important. Well, you know, it's, and your wife does this on the trust side, but if you haven't spelled out your agreement, then you're going to have to spell it out sooner or later when you dissolve or if you leave each other, if there's a problem. Um, so taking the time to talk about all the what ifs with an attorney like you, I mean, it's not necessarily cheap, but it is a much cheaper way than uh, trying to dissolve it later, right? Or resolve it later. Yeah, um, I mean, it's it's the... the it's the cheapest insurance that you can get is to make sure your joint venture agreement is done right at the beginning. If, if, 
If the reason that you haven't done it in the past is to try to save money, it is the wrong place to save money. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And so let's talk about, uh, I remember I was on a stage once in, in Washington and there were a thousand people in the audience and somebody said, what's, what's the difference between a JV and a syndication? And is it the same kind of legal setup and so forth? So let's start there. What is a JV and what is a syndication? Yeah, it's a great question. And so... Uh, because it is, uh, it can be confusing. So joint ventures, the, the general definition of joint ventures is it's the coming together of two or more individuals for a common business purpose. That is a joint venture. And so, and so don't, uh, when we talk about a syndication, syndications are joint ventures, but not all joint ventures are syndications. Let me tell you what I mean. When I'm talking about a joint venture for purposes of, of this specific, specific conversation, if you are doing a syndication, you are dealing with passive investors, meaning that you are, you're having uh, investors come into your deal and all they're doing is giving you money and sitting back and waiting for you to make them a profit. And that's called, that's a passive investor. In a joint venture, the main, the two main distinctions between the joint, the kind of joint venture I'm talking about in syndication is in a joint venture, uh, the, everybody, every party in that joint venture has to has to be uh, actively engaged in the deal. And let me explain what I mean by actively engaged. It means they have to be doing more than just giving you money. And let me give you a short example just to try to uh, get out of the, uh, to, to make it as understandable as possible. I One of my joint ventures, and by the way, uh, um, I'm also... We, I didn't really introduce myself. So our firm is Lerman Law Partners, and we are the real estate investors lawyer, and I'm also a real estate investor. I'm also a, a principal in a single family office. So uh, everything I'm talking to you about is what we do for our own deals. And most of the deals we've done over the years, over the decades, have been joint ventures. We also do syndications, and sometimes we do syndications and joint ventures in the same deal. So everything I'm talking to you about today is not just a lawyer talking. This is this is a fellow investor talking. Which is rare, event. right? Because I think you're the only one I know. No, there's I actually have another attorney who also invests and, and syndicates in JVs, but it's it's not that common, right? No, it is it isn't that common. In any event, so I had this one deal. It was a residential subdivision development deal. And there were four people in the deal. There was the guy who found the deal and got the loan. There was a real estate broker who was involved in the design of, of the project and also the sale of the finished product. And uh, there was the developer and there was myself. And what I brought to the deal is I did all the legal work and I also brought the money to the deal. And what's important for you to understand is everything I just described, each person brought was actively engaged in the deal they didn't just bring money to the deal. I didn't just bring money. I did the I did the legal work. And what we did is all of us, all four of us, lived in different cities. And every week we would get on a phone call. We had one of us be the secretary and took copious notes of the phone call. And 
we discussed everything. There's a lot to discuss when it comes to development. And uh, we discussed everything and the secretary wrote down who said what on what topic and whatever. So that is about as as good of an example as I can give you as to what it means, what the distinction is between being actively engaged and uh, just writing a check. The other thing that you, and by the way, I, that particular example had four people. You can have more. The more you have, the more difficult it becomes to justify that each person is actively engaged in the deal. But that's always going to be a question of fact. There's nothing, there's no black letter law on what is, you know, what is actively engaged. So that's one of the reasons why you need to work with an attorney who is also has done a lot of these because one of the things that we do is people come to us and and they say, well, okay, we put this together and, and everybody's actively engaged. And then I talk to them about it and it turns out they're not really. So it's, it, it's, it's something that you need a lawyer to really under, to help understand if in fact what you're doing, the people are, are actively engaged. And uh, the other thing is to have that, that the people have to have uh, enough understanding of real estate so that they can look out after themselves because the securities laws were designed to help uh, the little guy, the guy, the person who does not really know enough about securities to uh, to look out after themselves to make sure they're they're covered. And so, uh, what you want is somebody who has enough real estate experience to understand what they're getting themselves into. Those are the only two requirements to establish a joint venture as opposed to a syndication. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's really, really helpful. So let's just say, um, you know, a brother and a sister and a friend, this, they find a piece of real estate. They all want to do it together. They, you know, what should they, I mean, I, I'm, I'm being honest. I think I've seen and met people who never wrote their business plan down on paper, let alone met with an attorney to right. deal with this. So, I think you've already explained it, but at what point um, would you consider it a JV? I mean, I think you just explained it. And at what point should you get an attorney to help you with it? You should get a lawyer. Uh, first of all, well, uh, that that is a, a broad question. Let me try to, uh, to uh, bring it to a uh, more specific a specific situation. So people are listening to this now. Maybe you've got a deal that you're looking at. Maybe you are thinking about going after a deal, whatever. What? So for sure, you should get a lawyer involved before you sign anything and before you sh even shake hands on a deal because the lawyer is going to help you decide what are the terms that really need to be uh, addressed in the document. And not only, not only do we know what the minimum terms need to be, but what we do with our clients is uh, I ask them, tell me what, tell me what keeps you up at night on this particular joint venture. What are you most concerned about? Because everybody's got a concern when it comes to real estate in general, but especially if you're about to go into a, into a, in a partnership with somebody. And then I also ask them what is most important to you. So, because what's most important to our clients and what they're most concerned about, we don't read minds. And so it's really important for us to make sure we understand that so that we can also make sure that we include all of those, those 
terms and and uh, whatever language we need to to make sure that when that when all is said and done, you sign the dotted line, that we've covered not only what's essential but what's what's also uh, what's also important to to our clients. So, for sure, before you sign anything, and I think even before you start looking for a joint venture partner, because you don't know what you don't know when it comes to looking for a joint venture partner. So I think the sooner the better. And and really, it's any partnership. I'm going through this right now with some colleagues who were just partners in a business, but never had anything in writing about how it would work if they were no longer partners or didn't want to be anymore. So I think most people are pretty naive going into deals, whatever deal that would be, doing business together or buying a property together. I almost bought a property with a friend. And at the last minute, we're like, you know, let's just stay friends. <laughs> let's not do yeah. this. Yeah. Um, I mean, but it, like even in business, it's it's kind of shocking how many people haven't thought about putting together an agreement. So why is that? I mean, when you've seen these deals go bad, did they have an agreement in place at all or just like a really bad one? Yeah, really bad one. One of them was an agreement that was prepared by not a real estate lawyer, but by the by our client's estate planning lawyer as a quote, favor. <laughs> it didn't turn out to be so much of a favor. Um, that was one. And the other, uh, and I can't tell you how often this happens, and I just shake my head. Uh, they they pulled a uh, form off the internet and they yeah. just used that. And mm-hmm. everybody, I, I look, I know, I know nobody likes to hire a lawyer. I get it. But again, I know I'm, I'm, start, I'm starting to sound like a broken record. Uh, please, if you're going to enter into a part, an agreement with somebody that's going to involve millions of dollars, please don't just look for a form off the internet. It's just, <laughs> you're not doing yourself any favors. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I have a very different opinion of, of attorneys. I absolutely adore my attorneys because I know that they are protecting me and it's a pain. I, I can't stand the questions they ask me because it's, it's just like the work your wife does. You, she's doing uh, trusts for people. You have to, right. she has to ask people really awful questions. Like what, yeah. where are your assets going to go when you die? You know, who wants to right. think about these things, but right. you have to. Yeah. And and it's the same with business. It's like, oh man, these are tough questions, but much better to address in the yeah. beginning. So you and, said, and, and, and just, just to give everybody listening another reason is not only uh, could it end up in a lawsuit, but you it, it, it could turn out that what you think is a joint venture is actually a syndication. And maybe you just didn't realize it. And if that happens, then all of a sudden now you're dealing with securities violations, securities law violations, which can be very expensive. And there is even the possibility of criminal sanctions going to jail. So this is not something that you want to play around with. You really want to make sure that you um, understand it. So let me, you know, again, coming back to when I was on stage with a thousand people wondering how I was going to answer this question of what's the difference between a JV and a syndication, the way that I understood it is with a syndication, it's like you said earlier, it would be me finding the property and then I need money. Um, So I am raising money from people who will do nothing but give me money. They're just passive investors. That's a syndication. A JV, maybe, you know, everybody is involved. There isn't just the passive investor, or is there? 
There can, no, you can't have a, if you have one passive investor, it's a syndication. I don't care if you have 15 active engaged people. If you've got one passive investor and you did not comply with securities laws, you didn't comply with securities laws. So, okay, yeah. well, that's that's pretty cut and dry. So I'm going to say this again, because I know there's listeners right now going, uh-oh, you know, I did do a deal where my uncle uh, gave me the money for it, and that's all he did, and I did the flip, and we split the profits or whatever. Let's say it was a $100,000 profit. I mean, you're not going to, like, I'll, I'll spend 20, 30, in some cases, $50,000 on my legal fees for a syndication. I mean, obviously, you're not going to do that on a small deal. So right. if you're working with Uncle Bob, and he's giving you money for this property that's a flip, and, and it's, quote-unquote, a syndication, what what does the investor do have to do? Yeah, well, so the uh, it, it's going to depend a little bit if Uncle Bob is accredited or not accredited. That's going to have an impact because if it's not accredited, it's going to there's more disclosure requirements. Uh, but yeah, if it's a smaller syndication, um, it doesn't have to be that expensive. I mean, you know, it's going to be it, it, it's going to be a little bit over $10,000 um, and a, uh, a joint venture is going to be significantly cheaper um, than so that. So we need to get Uncle Bob working and being active and not just passive. Well, it's not, okay, so it's not just actively engaged. Uh, Uncle Bob has to know a thing or two about real estate. Otherwise, it's, otherwise he has, there again, there are two, those are the two essential differences between a joint venture and syndication. So Uncle Bob better have uh, some real estate knowledge. And that's got to be documented. Otherwise, if, if you don't document it and you just say, yeah, we had a conversation, um, if the SEC ever does get involved in it, um, then it's, it's going to be problematic. It's a violation. Wow. Okay. That's, that's fascinating. All right. What else do we need to know? Let's go back to JVs and the JV scenario. Uh, what, what have you seen go wrong and what have you seen go right? Uh, so the, uh, there are, well, there's so many things that you could, that you could do that could end up going wrong. I think probably <laughs> the, you know, the biggest um, the biggest warning sign, the biggest red flag is when people go into a deal uh, without covering all the bases. Again, we we're talking about the joint venture. For example, uh, in one of those, in one of those uh, partner disputes, the problem was that they did, they, they did have a joint venture agreement, but it did not address what happens if uh, the the parties in this particular joint venture, there were uh, just two individuals, and they had done three different development deals over a period of ten years. And uh, what is not so unusual is one of those partners did not. They started out both agreeing this is how much we're going to put in the deal, but ten years later they got three deals, and they needed more money for the deal. And one of the, the other partner, not my client, did not have his share of the money for the deal. And so my client went ahead and fronted the money they needed in order to do uh, the deals. And the dispute when it came to me was that how do you characterize 
How do you characterize that, that, that additional capital contribution? That's what that is. Whenever you put money in a joint venture, whenever you put money into your deal, that's referred to as a capital contribution. And the question becomes, how should that be treated if the other side does not make up his or her share of that capital contribution? So let's say you and I, Kathy, were in a deal together. And let's say that uh, the deal needed another $100,000. And let's say that you had the 100, I did, I, at that particular time, I didn't. So from your standpoint, and let's say that I never put up the money because it, I don't have it. At that point, from your standpoint, at some point, you want to dilute my interest because we're no longer 50-50 involved. I mean, you're, you, you put in 50,000 more than you had to, than you should have, because I didn't come up with my money. Are you with me on this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so in that, in, in that scenario, uh, you, what, what, we, what we put in our agreements is language which discusses exact, this exact issue. If there's going to be a cash call, if you will, or an additional capital contribution, what are gonna be the terms of that? Uh, how, who decides uh, how much and how long do you have to put the money in? And if one of the partners doesn't put the money in, how long do they have? Is that, should that be deemed a loan by you to the entity or should that be a loan by you to me, the other partner? And then what are gonna be the terms of that loan? And how long do I have to come up with the money to avoid being diluted? And at some point, what are gonna be the consequences for you and for me, if I never put in the money, and that was the issue in this in, in this particular dispute, and that's not an unusual dispute because a lot of people, when they go into a deal, a lot of us, they you you assume you just you you, you people don't like to think about what could go wrong, and so they think okay, this is how much it's going to cost, and they don't really talk about what happens if there's more money that's needed, and so uh, what what the What's important in the agreement is to talk about the hard questions and provide for those in the agreement. So you always, you never have to go to court and spend a million dollars to have a, a judge make the decision for you to put your financial financial destiny in the hands of a stranger. You never want to be in that position. And that, and it's important to understand that, that stranger, that that judge doesn't necessarily know real estate and may not be on your side. You know, that's not as, uh, that's not as, as significant a problem. Oh, I mean, a lot, you, usually these things, when you're in, when, when you're in front of a judge on a particular matter, they're not going to be the, they're probably not going to be the judge if they didn't have that kind of experience. But, okay. but who, you never, the, the more, the more significant risk is you just never, I mean, again, anytime you put your hand, your financial destiny in the hands of a stranger who doesn't know anything about you and you don't know what, what's, what's going on in their world, whether it's an arbitrator or, or a judge, why you, you just don't want to be in that position. You lose total control of the ultimate outcome. Yeah, that's, that's it. Okay. So the big, even beyond the JV agreement or the syndication documents, uh, there's there's that choosing the partner, your JV partners, uh, and the people that you would be syndicating with. Right. I mean, what are some of the rat red flags you've seen uh, when it comes to choosing partners? Uh, okay, so you mentioned uh, doing a deal 
with family or friends, right? Yeah. Whenever, whenever I am talking to a client uh, about this, I, and it really doesn't make a difference if they're family, friend, or a stranger, the, the admonition is going to be the same, the warning, but especially if you are, you know, a lot of people like to do deals with family and friends just because they like their family and friends. But the first thing I tell people is that's great, but if you've never done business with family or friends, then it's a whole different aspect of the relationship. Yeah. And I tell them, we're happy to set it up for you that way. But I have, I have been involved in so many disputes where there's one, there's one in particular, which will make my point. Um, two sisters who were the closest of friends ever since they were kids. And uh, they had never done a deal together. They ended up doing a deal together. They got into a dispute and we went, we finally went to a mediation to try to resolve it. And the mediation did, uh, was successful in that it, it, it got them to a compromise that they could both live with and they signed off on. But these were, again, best friends their entire lives. And by the time we walked out of that mediation, we had to flip a coin to see who would go into the elevator first because they did not want to be in the same elevator. They did not want to have to look to each other, look at each other. Uh, the relationship was just totally destroyed because of this. And um, it's and my own situation, my sister and I, we inherited uh, the our, our childhood home when my parents passed away. And I love my sister and she loves me. When we started doing business together, there was an issue that came up that was a difficult issue. And we uh, had some we had some difficulties getting through it. And then uh and then I, I said, this is ridiculous. I teach this stuff. This is not going to happen. This is not going to happen to us. And so we sat down, we talked about it. We said, look, our relationship is far more important than the money or whatever else we're talking about here. So let's, uh, let's uh, go a different direction and let's heal the relationship. And we did, and it's great. But you know what? I could understand how people could could get in that situation. So yeah. um, it, it doesn't make a difference. It could be, again, family, friends, or a stranger. What you need to understand is that when you go into a deal with somebody and money's involved, you it, it's difficult to predict everything that can happen. So what you want to do is understand what the other side what's important to them and what they're thinking. And so one of the things that we do as probably the as a matter of fact, probably the most important thing we do when we, and the reason I think that we've never had a dispute uh, arise from one of our deals is uh, I, I give the, I, I give the partners separately a memorandum, a, a non-binding memorandum of understanding with questions. And the questions are the most, in my opinion, the most essential terms in a joint venture. And I say, fill in the blanks. Tell me what, what you think should be in these blanks. And, and I say, and when you finish, give your answers back to me. Don't give them to each other. Cause I want them to, I want to see their unfettered, uh, 
real thoughts about these important issues. And uh, they give that back to me. And I can see right there, if there's a difference between his answer and her answer or whatever, then I know that there's a problem. Or I interview them together and I watch their body language and I see how they're communicating and I will tell them, say, you know what, on this particular issue, you guys don't seem like you're on the same page. I think maybe you should talk it through some more and let's let's decide if this is really a good fit. Because I think that, you know, the, the, the people who are involved, they're too close to it. They don't want to talk about the, top, the, the tough topics. But mm -hmm. I am yeah. a neutral observer, and I think I owe it to them to let them know uh, where I think they might have a problem. Yeah, that's great. And, of course, there are some family members who do great business deals together. You know, I mean, Rich and I have been married for almost 25 years and we, we get along and yeah. we know how to communicate through different difficult things. But I can't tell you just recently how many people, uh, two very close friends who no longer speak to family members over yeah. what seems like very little money. Yeah. And I, again, I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying you got to go into it with your eyes open and informed. That's where, yes. you know, the, the label counselor really does apply to what yeah. we do. Because I don't, there's no right or wrong answer, but what I want to make sure of is that my clients go into a decision as important as that with, uh, with enough information to make a, you know, to, to make a, a good decision, an informed decision. Yes. Very good. Okay. Any more final thoughts on how to do deals together and, and walk away feeling great with lots of money? How many hours do we have again? <laughs> Well, that's uh, why we probably need to know about uh, how people can learn more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Seriously, I mean, I've uh, I've written, uh, I, I've got uh, one report that I've written that's called "17 Steps to Setting Up a Successful Joint Venture." I have another special report that I wrote uh, called tw uh, 12 Warning Signs You're Headed for a Lawsuit with Your Partner. I've written a lot of articles about this. Seriously, I mean, I, 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 we, we covered some of the most important things, but trust me when I tell you that there is really a lot more that uh, people could, and again, it's not it's not rocket science, but you don't know what you don't know. And, um, but, but yeah, there's, there's a lot more we could talk about if you, if you would like to, but I, I, I don't want to, I, I don't want to over, overstay my welcome. <laughs> well, I think this, I think people would are riveted at hearing more. Um, I guess I'll ask one more question. Let's say you, do have a financial partner who, and you're doing flips, let's say, and Uncle Bob comes in. Could you just take his money as a lien on the property, first position or second position? And is that is that loan contract, is that enough? Do you still need the JV stuff with that? Yeah, no, uh, The because if he's not... He's not, if, he, if that's all he does, making, giving you a loan, uh, that he's not expecting to make a profit off of your uh, off of your your deal. All he's asking, all he's expecting, is to get uh, is that you would honor the contract to pay him what you what you said you would pay him. 
So no, that that is you you can do that. As a matter of fact, that's one of the conversations we have up front. Is a lot of people come in saying, "Yeah, I think I need a joint venture." And before before I say, "Yeah, you do," I'll say, "Hey, if this is a great deal, maybe you don't need a joint venture. Maybe all you need is maybe a hard money lender and uh, and pay a little bit more because you think you're gonna your your pro forma." indicates that you think that you're going to make 30, 40% on the deal. Maybe you don't need a joint venture partner. So that, that is one of the many opening discussions that we have is to make sure that our clients, when they say, I want to do a syndication or I want to do a joint venture, that's not the, that's not the end of the conversation. That's the beginning of it. Wonderful. All right. Thank you so much for being here, being here and sharing your wisdom with us. Love it. It's great seeing you and it's great talking to you about this stuff. This is really important. I'm always really excited to share it with, with uh, the people uh, that do the same thing. You know, we're, that we're all investors. We're all in it together. So thank you for the opportunity. And thank you for joining me here on The Real Wealth Show. If you'd like to get access to more free education, just go to realwealthshow.com. If you'd like to become job optional with rental property income, join Real Wealth Network for free and log into the website. As a member, you have access to the Investor Portal, where you can view sample property performance and connect with our network of resources, including experienced investment counselors, property teams nationwide, lenders, 1031 exchange facilitators, attorneys, CPAs, and more. And they've all been highly recommended by over 56,000 members at Real Wealth Network. To join, go to realwealthshow.com. Views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to realwealthshow.com.